Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with singer-songwriter RJ Thompson, and it's a delightful natter. It's a real good chitter-chat. Before we get on with the chitter-chat, a few thank yous. Um, big thanks to Screw Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Uh, and thank you, you bloody lovely listeners. So big thanks to you lot for just um, being nice. Being nice, that's what I'm going to say. Supporting the podcast. Uh, you often give us... You know, likes, loves, shares, retweets, and all of that on the socials, and uh, and I'm forever grateful. Thank you. If this is your first time listening, welcome. You're very late to the party, but that's fine. You're, you're very welcome. Uh, we've done 400 episodes, and yeah, you can hear me talking to the killers, um, Chuck D, a public enemy. Foo Fighters, uh, Idols, uh, gosh, all sorts, Yellow Wolf, um, blimey, all your favourite pop stars, all your favourite actors, all your favourite comedians, go and have a rummage in that archive because I've had a lot, I've had a lot of guests and I've had a lot of natters and I ain't slowing down, I love it, I love it, I love talking to people about records and, and I'm a little bit nosy so you know, I love hearing about people's creative journeys, and uh, and RJ's is a, a delightful one, which you're going to hear uh, in a moment. Also, if um, you'd like to support the podcast uh, and get even more content, uh, you can watch all the episodes. You can get access to hundreds of radio shows where I play records and have a chat, um, loads of bespoke episodes, loads of playlists. You can get them all on Patreon. And let me tell you about Patreon. Ultimately, all you're doing is supporting the podcast. Well, there's going to be a cost, isn't there, Stu? How much is that going to set me back? I'll tell you how much that's going to set you back. $1 a month. What's that? 20, 20 pence? 20 pence a week? Um, I know times are tough. I know it costs a fortune to stick a bit of diesel in your motor. But I don't know. Can you squeeze 80 pence a month? If you do, it goes in the pot to ensure that I keep being able to um, pay for uh, the production and such to, to ensure that you still get two episodes for free each week. And uh, yeah, so if you'd like to support the podcast on Patreon, that'd be amazing. Um, it's Patreon, 
p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash off the beaten track so if you hear me banging on about this every week and uh and you you know you're always a bit reluctant just go over there and and just you can watch a video for free you can watch me telling you about it uh it's an old video from when i set it up a few years ago but it just kind of explains it all and you can like cancel it whenever you want you're not locked in for anything but yeah so what's that over over a year it's going to cost you what about a tenner for the year um and yeah and you're supporting uh the uh the creative output uh that i'm uh that i'm doing um anyway that's enough with the sales waffle anything you need to know about that um or the socials or or anything else i've got a website off the beat and track podcast.com anyway i know why you're here Please enjoy today's episode of Off the Beaten Track with RJ Thompson. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beaten Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin vodka and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs so one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously i'm super thrilled to have hotel chocolat working with us but they sent me a great big box of this stuff and i'm telling you it's amazing go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at hotel chocolat but yeah in the coming months there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us to win bottles of stuff there's loads of exciting things coming soon and i can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the cacao bar from hotel chocolat all right let's get back to the podcast it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him okay we are recording rj thompson how are you I'm well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's um, it's a rare, a rare sunny day in Essex today. It's actually glorious. So, uh, so yeah, spirits it, are high. It's not bad here as well. I've just taken the kids to school. Um, yeah, it's it's perfect. Where are you? Where, where's home? Northeast um, near Durham. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Okay, right. Playlist. Going to mm. kick things off. Um, RJ, I want you to tell me, please, the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Um, yeah, that's 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 Springsteen, Born to Run. That was set with a lot of confidence. Was there no was there no sort of uh, almost no for doubt. that? No, there's no doubt in my head on that one. Um, that's that's just the sheer joy that that brings. You know, the 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 drums and then. The chugging and then the you know everything that comes in straight away the the, the sax and everything it just it's just huge it's a sheer joy it's like I've seen them live a few times and and uh, it's just one of those you know hairs on the back of your neck yeah. moments yeah um, it, it's uh, it's weird I um I, I I was in a band many years ago and uh, and our management got us tickets to go and see one of the first kind of times, probably in the sort of mid-90s when he got back with the E Street Band and, 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 and come over to play. And we went to, I think it was Earl's Court. And we had front row seats. And it, I felt it was a bit wasted on me because uh, I knew Born to Run. 
I knew the Born in the USA album, and that was pretty much it then. But, and I remember thinking as well, because I was a, you know, an an aggy little smug indie kid, thinking, oh, you know, what's his granddad music for? And I tell you what, it was the most fucking punk rock show I've ever been to. No chit-chat, just like straight in, next song, next song. And then there's, I, I don't know if you've seen him recently, but you, you, he's gone through this stage where he's almost become like a gospel kind of, almost like a preacher on stage, you know, at times. Um, it just, he's just got the audience right yeah. there. And I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm completely in awe. I mean, we went to see him in Paris about eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, and just in the middle of the set, you know, he's what well, he must have been like 65 at that point. Yeah. Middle of the set, he decides to just play the entirety of Bond in the USA, start to finish, just in the middle of the gig. What the album? The whole album, yeah, from start. To finish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just That's wonderful. You know, just because you can, you know, you've uh, I mean, you've got that amount of of output. I mean, he's just I, he, he probably is my my. Uh, biggest influence i think just from just from sheer output yeah and and the variation in the output as well you know his early stuff's got that kind of soulful kind of thing to it um because i think he was influenced by a lot of, like uh, early days like a lot of mo like obviously by the kind of dylan's and all those yeah. that kind of that kind of side of things but also by like a lot of motown so you can hear that with uh with the way the band set up um like songs like the east street shuffle you yeah. know on, on the early records that are just like just great fun yeah you know i think that's the maybe not that there's a problem with music nowadays it's just like for my taste sometimes i just think you know people are a little bit afraid to be cheesy sometimes and you know and and there's nothing wrong with that you know it makes people feel good sometimes you know you you need it absolutely there's tracks on every springsteen album that that i don't think anyone else could get away with doing yeah yeah like on, on on the rising he's got like you know mary's place which is just a, it's just a fun song that yeah. that is designed to be an amazing live experience, you know, just a lot of fun. The, the whole band dancing across the stage yeah. and stuff. But you could never get away with that if you were, you know, coming out with a, as a brand new artist. I don't think. Um, He's yeah. just an absolute dude, isn't he? And I, I think, like, what was I listening to the other day? And I just had it on shuffle. And is it Secret Garden? It's called Secret Garden, isn't it? Uh, um, Secret Garden? No, it'll be. Um, I'm sure the single it's a track called Secret Secret Garden. It's just like a really soft sort of synth, like. Dee, 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 dee. It's uh, it got used in oh, Jerry Maguire. Right. Uh, yes. It's a uh, it's a beautiful record that is, and like, and it's really weird. I've got so much sort of spring scene on me me various playlists, and every time I stick on shuffle when it just comes on, it's just one of the ones that just kind of. Makes you just sort of stop and go. Oh, do you know what this? This is special. This is. There's something. There's just something about. And I, I feel like I was late to it as well. Like, well, I, there's, I, that, there's that whole era. That's probably a little bit of the the um, the thing with me. I kind of I, I go through different phase with Springsteen all the time. Um, Secret Garden was kind of in the like late eighties kind mm. of phase, late eighties, early nineties. Um, that's kind of I got to go a bit blank in that bit because I think after you go from. You go kind of, you know, darkness on the edge. Where you go, born to run, darkness on the edge yeah. of town, um, the river, all those kind of classic albums. Born in the USA, which was borderline uber cheese for me. I think it was just a bit too far. And then I kind of 
lost him. And then he kind of pulls pulls it back with the rising and like was it like 2001? Um and it's just the range of songwriting. The rate of go, going from the ability the ability to write something as joyous as as um well, maybe not lyrically joyous, but you know, audibly joyous as uh, Born to Run, but then also on the other hand, being able to do something like um you know, you're missing on the rising or or my city of ruins and yeah. basically an album that was basically about 9 11 yeah um that happened to, well i don't know whether it was actually planned to be about 9 11 but it was like the most perfect album to release at that point in time because it was so relevant um just it's just the range of range of what you can do yeah there's uh he's special i mean I'm, I'm hoping to get tickets to see him again i know he's coming back around again he's coming over is it end of this but, year uh no i think i think it's next year but i mean it's he's um he, i mean it must be like 70 mid 70s now is he i guess but he's um so it, i don't know whether it whether it might be one of his last tours or what but he's uh i, I need to i need to see him for sure okay just to see what album he does in the middle of the show <laughs> <laughs> drop a whole album in the middle of your set you know yeah. how good your band is when you can do that like yeah. that band must be so on point um yeah. Okay, right, let's take you back. I'm going to ask you, please, uh, to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I have a few on that one, but the the obvious one, um, roughly when I was starting to kind of pick up a guitar, I started getting into kind of more like indie bands at that time. It was like the Oasis is the Blurs. But then when Stereophonics came out with um, Word Gets Around, mm-hmm. I think I was probably about I don't know, 12, 13, something like that-ish. Um, and it was the last song on that record, Billy Davies' Daughter. Um, and it's just like the, the storytelling behind it. I think that's why, like Kelly Jones in, in the early days of Stereophonics was just an amazing storyteller. Um, I, 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 I haven't really listened to a lot of the, you know, the newer albums, but early days was just some of the best. I, I couldn't agree more. And do, do you know, like, the, the the story of how like they kind of broke through, like uh, no, no, I don't really know that much about them other than loving that first those first two albums, you know. Yeah, that 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 first record, uh, and like and and you know when you talk about his his lyric writing as well, like things like Local Boy are just off the chart, amazing, like you know, it's brilliant, brilliant singles. Um, they were one of the first bands to sign to V2, which I think was like Branson's sort of offshoot. And mm-hmm. my band got to support the Stereophonics on that, on one of their first ever tours. And I think they basically, people like V2 were paying venues to put them on. Right. And I think they, I mean, if I've got this completely wrong, anyone listening, let me know. Um, but as the story, if I remember it rightly, that they were being like paying venues, whatever it was, a couple of hundred quid to put this band on, and they played literally like three hundred and something shows in a year. And obviously, wherever they played, they took the roof off because mm-hmm. they were shit hot, and his voice was ridiculously good, mm-hmm. and they had cracking songs. And uh, and from that, it just kind of then obviously just snowballed into. I think there's something special about those early two albums, at least. Um... Where you, it was quite clearly just three three guys in a room. Yeah, you know, the, there was just there was nothing clever about it. It was just really good songs. 
But do you um, not do you not think that's the case with so many working class bands that them first two records or first record is always yeah. the the one that's got the the maybe maybe I mean there's there's probably a few like caveats to that. I mean like people like U two, you know, bands like U two where they you know the early records are great. And then they hit the stride when they get to like the Joshua Tree and Actung Baby and stuff like that, where where they get more experimental. And then you go, okay, they're really special. But yeah, I agree. That like some of the some of the kind of indie bands for sure. Yeah, for, they're at the best. They're at the best when they're just three three or four blokes in a room or three or four people in a room. Completely. You look at definitely maybe you look at um, first Arctic Monkeys record and 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 yeah, and that Stereophonics album. It's like it just sounds like. It's just a load of lads in a room, just you know, and it feels like they've got to make this record. Like, it feels and I think like... the thing with um, with um, Stereophonics and Kelly Jones, I don't know what I, I can't really talk to the the, the newer music, but certainly the, those older albums, um, you could tell he had stuff to write about. Yeah, he, he had he it, like that first record is all about growing up in a small town, and it's all about the stories he heard working. I think I, I vaguely remember him an interview with him where it was, he used to work on a market stall possibly. Um, and there was just a tons of, tons of stories he, uh, he heard um, on the grapevine and basically built this album around his hometown. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that's progressed with his songwriting since then, but certainly on the early records, you can tell he had a lot to write about. And, and to, on your debut album, your four singles being local boy in a photograph, thousand trees, more life in a tramps mm. fest and fucking traffic. There's there's some killer tracks there. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's a, that's a good way to kick off your career with them four singles. I know, but then for some reason I just like as much as I loved that, I, I gravitated towards Billy Davies' daughter right at the end. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, just just because there was like a yearning in his voice or something. Yeah, like you knew he, you knew he really the, the story behind that really kind of uh, affected him. Um. But yeah, no, it's uh, that. That's probably the song in the early days of me writing songs that really kind of forced me to kind of put pay some attention to to story. Yeah, I think initially I was all about melody, just kind of chord progressions, melody, finding finding the uh, the hooks, I guess. Yeah. But um, I think when you start hearing songwriters do what he did with that song, you go, well, you know, you can really you can really tell. Yeah. You can build build a world around these songs. You know, you can really tell your story. Um, where, where was growing up for you? Growing up's in the northeast. So it's uh, Durham, County Durham area, Newcastle, uh, vicinity of there. Fond memories. Um, great memories. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I've had a gr- I've had a great childhood. Really, I, I didn't have any uh, issues apart from um, apart from, and I wrote a whole album about it. <laughs> apart from kind of like mid-teens kind of actually coincidentally when I started writing music um kind of getting quite a few like anxiety related things you know mental health OCD stuff um but in terms of actual upbringing great memories was it a musical house uh yes yeah I mean uh, my dad plays guitar and bass um my mum my mum and my dad used to like kind of go around as a little duo um uh, just, just i actually think uh, i don't really i don't really know the stories that well but going around like nursing homes and stuff just playing for playing for old folks and stuff like that you know and, and club and clubs and pubs and stuff um 
I don't think they did like huge amount of it, but they, I certainly grew up with a lot of music in the house. Brother plays keyboards, piano. Yeah. Um, what, what sort of yeah. records was she being exposed to at home? Oh, it was the Beatles and the Stones. That do, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was Beatles for my mum, Stones for my dad. Yeah. And a constant fight, a constant battle between those two until, and, and, and to be fair, like a, a chunk of Motown as well. Yeah. Um, my mum, my mum's a, a big kind of like she loves all like Marvin Gaye stuff and. Um, and then it, when I first started kind of developing my own love of music, it was all, it was all Michael Jackson. Yeah. Early days, you know, when I was like seven or eight, it was Michael Jackson. Um, I think that was the, I think we might come on to this question. I've got a funny feeling, but we, uh, that was the, probably the first time I like, really asked my mum and dad to, to buy me something. <laughs> you know, I, I want a record. Can you get me this please? When I was like seven. Okay. I'm sure we'll get there. I'm sure we'll get there. But before we do that, um, let's take you back to school for track three uh-huh. and, uh, mm. and tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, RJ. It's, it is, it's Teenage Dirtbag, and I don't, I, I don't know what, other than it just having this nostalgic thing for me, there's no specific connection to the song. It's just incredibly nostalgic to hear that song now because it just reminds me of kind of those early school parties I was like 14, 15 when that song came out, I think. And that's when like people's just starting to, you know, just starting to be a lot more social outside of school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just got a lot of fond memories of that song. And I think then it, it kind of, it ends up that, that as well, that song and that style of music ended up finding its way into, um, you know, a lot of the movies of that era as well. Oh, hugely. Huge. So, uh, so then, therefore, like, like I have, I always have this conversation with, um, with like one of my my good friends, Ian. He's like the video videographer that I work with, and he's like a big film buff, like hugely. Like, he could tell you anything about any movie, but he asked me what my favorite movie is, and and invariably it always goes back to. I mean, it's 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 either like something like Back to the Future, something I remember from like childhood a lot, mm-hmm. or it's something from those formative kind of teenage years. And it sounds dreadful to say it, but something like American Pie or something yeah. like you know, those kind of movies, the way you just got such fond memories um, of that era. I don't know. I don't know. It's not, I, there's no, you know, no necessary, not anything necessarily skillful about those movies or anything, but just, um, just fond memories. I think, I think the American Pie film has got a really, really lovely message at the heart of it. I do think like the, the the actual message in it. I mean, there's questionable, there's, 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 there's very questionable scenes that probably, if that film was remade now, would be removed from it. Uh, but the, the, you know, just the, the the thing about friendship and that, I, I do think the you know the, the underlying message that film's you know quite sweet and it, and shouldn't be understated like how big that film was and that come out around the time of. You know, the, 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 I guess the end of like maybe new metal, and then there was all of the kind of pop punk stuff of Blink and Sum Forty One, and it was all of these bands, and and it all just seemed to, I don't know, it felt like for a couple of years everybody was invited to this big frat party, and uh, and all of them songs and all of them films, and and you know, and the fashion and everything was very skatery, and it was yeah, just, yeah. it was a big movement, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and it, I, I don't know, it's just when you. I, I guess it's it's purely coincidental of when you grow up, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, 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 you know, I'm sure there's people like Ian, for example, who's a few years older than me, 
has no affinity to it whatsoever because, <laughs> because you just, sure. you know, it, it, it didn't hit him at the right time in his life. But um, yeah, but then you, but then obviously going back, like back to the futures and stuff, um, actually my favorite films, but um, but yeah, it's just, it's just funny how music and film kind of intertwine at a certain period of your life where you all of a sudden you have a great affinity for it. Yeah, absolutely. And Teenage Dirtbag... It's a great song, though, it's isn't a, it? It it's is. A it's a great, great song. pop song. It really <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is. Like, and uh, like, I, I, I run a, a, a sort of alternative uh, nightclub, and and that still gets requested and still gets played. And there's a generation of eighteen year olds that are far too young to ever remember that when it come out, still losing their shit over that. And yeah. it's just a great little pop song, and you know, uh-huh. and I think. Great little pop songs find their way into the very sort of fabric of music, and and they 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 you know lodge there's themselves lot, in there. Quite a lot from that era, though, isn't there? Like like the Blink One Eighty Twos and stuff mm. that are like that. Yes, they might be kind of punk pop, but they're great pop songs. Absolutely. Like, like, yeah. Like I think like um, Fat Lip by Some Forty One. Like it is. It's such a brilliant like two and a half minutes of just joy. It's like a real, and, and you could say that for all of the sort of singles off of the, the, the first sort of blink record on that as well. It's just like, you know, all the small things, that's, that's as close to pop perfection as it gets. I think like yeah. it's absolutely, if you can get crowds singing and moving the way that that song does and continues to do, then you've hit on something. I think, I don't know. What do I know? Yeah. Um, Tell me about school. How was it? School was good. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was I was kind of I I was very into music. Um, I was very into football. Um, the school maybe didn't share those values as much as I did, but um, so you know, I, there was certain elements I didn't really like. But there were, you know, I, I still I'm still really good friends with a lot of people that I knew from school grew up with um i'm married to one of them <laughs> Wonderful. Nice. um so yeah me and my wife have been together since we were 15 um which is again that kind of era with the teenage dirt bag. that's yeah. probably all kind of intertwines of course. for you know a lot of happy memories um yeah i mean i can't really come i was i was a decent student i wasn't amazing i was kind of the cheeky cheeky chap in class did you know what you wanted to be? Um, I think like any kid in the Northeast, in my like eight to 13 year old state, I wanted to be a footballer. Yeah. That was it. You know, I just, wanted to be, I just wanted to play for Newcastle. I was never remotely good enough to play football at any level, really. But I wanted to be. But then from the age of... I've been playing music since I was six i've been playing like, i had a little t- little drum kit in the house and I, that's what i learned on i learned, learned to play the drums um and then it wasn't it was probably when i was about 12 13 when i started kind of messing around with my dad's guitar and then that's when i kind of knew that i didn't want to stay at school <laughs> uh, i wanted to well I, I i wanted to go and do I wanted to go to a school that was dedicated to music, really. Yeah. Um, so I went to Newcastle College. that had a big music course at the time. I think they probably still do. Um, and kind of, yeah, I left at 16 to do that. But I knew from probably age 14, 15, 
the direction I wanted to go in. I mean, I had a lot of uh, pushback on that from the school that I used to go to. Are you really sure you want to go into music? Um, and, you know, they're quite, you know, they, I understand. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why they would say that, you yeah. know, it's not the easiest thing to get, get yourself into. Um, Did it, you know, being, uh, you know, a young a young lad from... Um, you know, a, a working class area, and you know, did, did it did it seem that music was a a, a possibility that you could make a, a living out of it? And and if so, like what what were there any artists that kind of from from where you was that sort of made you think, oh well, if they've done it, I can do it. Um, at that time, not not a huge amount. I mean the. What I did know in the in the northeast, there's always been a good, strong kind of under undercurrent um, of, of indie music. Um, there's been a lot of good venues in the northeast, um, and I knew that from a relatively young age. I think I went to my first gigs in up in the Clooney when I was like fourteen, fifteen, yeah. something like that. Um, so I knew that 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 was all there. I think I think I probably just went in with a lot of false expectations, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because you just dream, don't you? When you're that age, yeah. you you think it's going to be, you know, you think I've I've written I've written five songs. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've listened back. You know, I think those first those early songs all made it onto a onto some record that I've decided to make it back then. Um, but I, th- I, th- I don't know. I think the in the northeast in particular, there is a wealth. Like I mean, nowadays you see like Sam Fender and everyone coming through, and they're just phenomenal. There's a wealth of of um, talent. Maybe the, there's not the opportunity to match it. Yeah, yeah. which is a shame because and like I, I sometimes get this kind of I, I encounter this when I'm kind of having conversations with people like in and around the music industry nowadays. They're just kind of because I'm still up here, and you know all all the people I work with are all up here. And they're all really talented people. You know, really good musicians, really good producers, really good videographers. You know, all the whole the whole lot, 
But I always get like an element of surprise back from the industry that what you've got all that up, up north. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not all London centric. It's that, that's why it, when I set this podcast up, like, however many years ago, that it was initially going to be based like per series on location. Uh, and the first series was going to be in my home county of Essex and speaking to, to, to musicians and stuff about that, about the scene uh, in your in your home county and the expectation it come about the whole podcast come about from a I, I um, work a lot with a, a former musician called Scroobius Pip. He's a podcaster now. And, and, uh, and he would often say like, um, you know, when they had their first album, you know, uh, hit, you know, go, go top 40. It was like, people were like, Oh, whereabouts in London are you based? He's like, oh, I live in Essex. And it's like, oh. And everybody presumes that, well, you've got to move to London now because that's where it's at. And it's like, and that just blew my mind. I was like, but studios are studios. And like producers are producers. If he's a good producer, it doesn't matter if he's in London or if he's in Newcastle or Manchester or wherever. And no, I, I, don't, I don't see it so much now. To be fair, I mean, I, I have, you know, fortunate enough to be doing okay in music now. But um, certainly 10 years ago, yeah. when I was, like, really trying and getting nowhere, um, most conversations – and it, I, I, don't, I think the industry has changed on this front, to be fair, especially like, probably in the last couple of years it's changed with the whole working from home thing as well. Yeah. But um, I used you used to encounter – I don't know whether it was just an air of – arrogance or something around the industry at that time but you'd, you'd call up someone an agent or promoter or whoever trying to get some shows trying to get a support slot trying to you know whatever and they'd have no time for you whatsoever it would be you'd, you'd literally be you send an email okay done and that was it but you'd call up a person with exactly the same role really in manchester and it would be a completely different experience you'd get like a conversation you'd get a you know tell me a bit about yourself you know yeah. it would be it would it'd just be a different vibe to the whole thing. I think that has changed, to be yeah, fair. I hope so. Um, but but I, I just think that there is an element of surprise when you when when people hear like like these albums that I've been making. I made them at home. I made them with my friends who live, all live within twenty minutes, who are all really talented people. Yeah. And there's just an element of surprise that you know, well, why are those people not in London? Well, why should they be in London? Yeah. You know, it's not the be all and end all. You know. <laughs> Okay, track four. First... I, think we, I think we digressed that slightly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's the best thing about podcasting. Let it go where it needs to go. Um, tell me the first song you remember buying uh, from a record store, please, RJ. Ball from a record store. So, yeah, this is gone. First song I, I asked my mum and dad to buy for me when I was like seven. I didn't have, like, didn't have any pocket money or anything. Um, was Michael Jackson. I think I think it was black or white. I think. Yeah. Um and that was that was also the first gig I ever went to. Was was Michael Jackson and Leeds Round Hay Park. Nice. When I was probably eight, seven or eight. Nineteen ninety three, I guess, ish. Where um, do you go from there? It's never gonna well, get yeah, better, is it? <laughs> I went downhill for a long time. 
and then it kind of ramped back up when I started like loving Springsteen and it yeah. when I started, or, or and you too actually I went a lot of yeah. YouTube shows like in those kind of age 15 16 and that kind of pulled me back up into understanding what a rock and roll show was um but yeah the uh that that, that probably it would have been black or white it was something off dangerous yeah so I'm assuming it was black or white when he um when and that he... was just through sheer I was sheer obsession with with this kind of the way he moved, really. Yeah, I'd, 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 it was. I mean, I did like. I liked his music, obviously, but it was just the way, the whole visual, all every, all the visual, all the dancing, and everything came together. It was just mesmerizing to me when I was seven, eight. I mean, it's still mesmerizing to me now. To be honest, I've ever watched one of his shows. Oh. Like I've, I've actually, I've got the same tour, the Dangerous tour. I've got that on DVD. Is that the one that was uh, DVD? Still a thing, right? By Pe- <laughs> is it sponsored by Pepsi that one? Because uh, I th- no, I think that, I think that was the one before. I think that was the Bad Tour. I think because when he I might be wrong. When he died, they put that on the TV, and and I watched it again, and you just—it's just a, a level above anything else. You know, I, I was lucky to have you know seen your Madonnas and Prince and and all the you know, the huge pop superstars of, of that era, but taking nothing away from them artists, like Michael Jackson at that point, no one could get near him. I think he was just, yeah. like, I mean, I don't think I really understood it at the time. Yeah. I just knew I liked the videos and I liked yeah. the, I liked that he was walking backwards in a funny way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but then when I saw him live, that's probably my, I'm I'm always very I'm always hazy with memory, um, with 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 you know very young childhood memories, but that's one that I can still vividly vividly see. Yeah. My dad getting me like a, a a beer crate that was an empty beer crate to stand on, um, and keeping out of the crush because obviously Michael Jackson concert there was a crush. Yeah, there was people fainting fainting left right and center, and um, and then just I think it was that is it the song from the Omen. I think um, that 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 yeah. that that all started, and then all of a sudden, he just there was an explosion, and he just shot out of the stage vertically. Yeah, landed, stood still, completely still, to like absolute pandemonium. Yeah, um, and he must have stood still for two like a minute, two minutes. Yeah, didn't move, but the crowd were going absolutely mental. Then he just moved once, and then the crowd went mental again. And then jam started, and then it was off, and it was. I, I remember all of that vividly. Yeah. Um. I remember at the. I remember the end of him. He flew off on a. Well, he or a stunt, definitely a stunt double, flew off on a jetpack at the end of the show. <laughs> um, it was just. It was just a whole another level of showmanship. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just, just the, the sheer. I mean, just ability, man. Just you can't. You can't. There's just rare talents like that. There's only a handful. And what people rarely talk about as well, like obviously his catalogue of songs is insane. Like It's so good. But his voice is just amazing. Like when, like, And I always use uh, an example of um, Can You Feel It like by the Jacksons. And you've got all of these brothers that have all got exceptional voices. 
and like they're just part all doing their bits, and then it gets to Michael, and like when he does his first vocal, it's like it just it punches it, out. It punches yeah, yeah. way beyond what anyone else has done on that record, and it's like. Oh, it's glorious! It it it, it really is. And, uh, well, yeah, what he had the ability to do as well, which I mean, looking at his kind of personality and looking at you know how he held himself, you wouldn't expect him to be able to do. Yeah, was, was the level of aggression he could get into his voice. Yeah, as well, you could yeah. go from something really, really soft and and loving, or yeah. like something like Ben or something. You know, those those earlier songs, and then on the you know on the next hand, I can't remember the name of the song, was something off uh, history. A skinhead, deadhead, everybody gone. I can't remember what the name of the song is. They don't want but, to um, talk about, is it? They don't yeah, want to, so, yeah, that one. Yeah. But then the level of aggression yeah. in his voice, it's just, yeah. the, range, the range is insane. I mean, as, as, as crazy as the Messiah kind of element of, of Earth song and the madness around that was, was a little bit bananas, but his vocal delivery on that track it typifies what you just said. It starts so soft and then literally it's almost like a fucking metal record at the end. Do you know what I mean? He's like screaming and his voice is unquestionably just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Right. But sorry, going on to the the next point of that question, that was the first record that my, my, that I asked my mum and dad to buy. But I think, I believe the first record that I bought single that I bought would have been Country House. I'm pretty sure. The... That's another great little pop song. It's a great pop song. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, again, hazy memory a little bit, but I, I'm. it's either that or roughly the same era. And again, it's whether you like the song or not, it, it just, it just a lot of happy memories. But One Week by Bare Naked Ladies, that was in there somewhere. Like she loved that song. It was just chick- chickadee china, the Chinese <laughs> you know, all that stuff. It was just, it just, I used to love that song. I, uh, I, I interviewed them on here about, about three months ago. And, uh, and I was quite naive as to the extent of what the bare naked ladies have done throughout their career. I mean, there are, could be one of the biggest bands to come out of Canada alongside rush. They're absolutely huge. And I think so many of us only know, uh, yeah. that yeah. track and uh, so I sort of had to do, sort of do a bit of uh, a bit of a deep dive and they've got some absolutely wonderful wonderful records and uh, yeah that's a great track that is but um, so to, to have bought Country House that's quite strange for a northern lad at that point shouldn't you have been uh, on the other side of the fence because there was a big old battle going on at that point I mean, I, I just like both of them, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why it was so tribal. It was just like, yeah. Blur were obviously Essex boys, and it was like, <clears throat> and but I actually thought it was Roll With It, wasn't it? Was it? No, yeah, it was Roll With It, wasn't it? What was the track that went head-to-head? Right? I actually think Roll With It's one of their weaker songs, uh, but I actually think Country Ass is one of Blur's weaker songs. I think it's... Yeah, uh, but it's... But... <laughs> You know, you get pulled into these things, don't you? You get pulled into these little rivalries, and ultimately, they were both attempting to be pop songs in, a, yeah. in their own way. But the, um, 
I don't know. I don't know why. You know, I don't know why it has to be a battle. Just yeah, it was. There, there, both, there was no great. losers in that. They both come out with some serious record sales they wouldn't have got otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But they were both great bands. They were, you know, early early Oasis is near perfect. I I think around um, that time, and, and the, the range the range of what Blur do, yeah, have done is is makes them in my head a, a better band. I agree. But, you know, but you know, it, it's still. You can't argue with what Oasis have done. Mm. I, I, I think Oasis and the Stones, I think they've got like a good sand, a good rock and roll sand, and they never really veer too far from it. Whereas mm. I think Blur's more like your Bowie. I think like every album's, let's try something new. And then obviously you've seen what Damon's gone on to do and, you know, with Gorillaz and... and, and Graham Proxon's a great, great underrated guitarist as well. Massively, massively. Um but uh, but I think at that point, Noel Gallagher's songwriting was again like as we you know going full circle back to what we were saying at the beginning. Like them, you know, he probably started to have some money around this point. But when and I've said it before on this podcast, when you're getting songs like "Talk Tonight" and "Acquiesce" and "Master Plan" and using them as B sides. That's how confident you are with mm. your songwriting because you must be thinking, I've got another 10 of these coming around the corner soon. Like, yeah. some might say to have the B sides being talked tonight and acquiesce, that is a three track EP right there. Like, heck, I mean, some might say it's a, a brilliant pop song. Acquiesce, like, most bands would give their right arm to have that as their greatest song, let alone yeah. toss it off on a B side. Crazy. The, the, master, the master plan was always the one for me that I was like, "How is this not a, a, a ginormous song?" Yeah, it's it was just, and I, I, I went to see them live. God knows when it was. I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint the date, but it was. Um, I think it was probably the standing on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. tour, roughly. Um, and I just remember leaving really disappointed that they didn't play it. Yeah, they played all these massive songs, but that was the one. Yeah. Master Plan was the one that I wanted to hear. I, it's got the you think the pre-chorus is the chorus because it's so good, and then you get the chorus, and it's like, oh my god! Like, where did he pull that from? I I, I agree with you. I think it's an absolute masterpiece that track. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go clubbing. A song that soundtracked <laughs> your years clubbing, please. Um, it's definitely Bring It Back. But truthfully, I was never a massive clubber. So the 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 times that I went clubbing, Bring It Back seemed to always make an appearance. It just reminds me of that era anyway. Yeah. Um, I was never, I was always into going to gigs rather than clubbing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bring It Back was was that era. Um, I don't have a great deal to say about it, to be honest, other than I just vaguely remember the music, the video for it. Um, That's an incredible video. And and, and uh, I've been lucky to chat to Rasheen uh, on the pod. And I think she's a, tr- a real true artist and yeah. that just constantly re- 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Invents herself visually and, you know, sonically, just, just a, 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 an absolute um, maverick. And, and that track, and, it, and it's weird that you say that, you know, you was more into the sort of indie stuff and gigs and things like that. At that point, it felt like Maloko... And a lot kind of dance of music, w- w- yeah, there was that crossover. You know, you, the, you know, she'd be on the cover of NME, and and I think that that was uh, definitely that kind of sort of crossover sort of point in the in the sort of mid to late nineties. There was so much electronic music that you know w- 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 was crossing over then. Um, what was it that uh, you didn't necessarily like about clubbing? Um, I think it's going back to that kind of I don't, going back to those kind of childhood or like teenage anxieties. I think it was I hated peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I so purposely so I've actually completely teetotal, never touched alcohol in my life to be honest. Really? Um, because it because I was like I was an anxious teenager, um, and I'd hated peer pressure. And it which purposely went the other way, and it's just kind of stuck nowadays. I mean, I, I, I don't care one way or another nowadays. But yeah, at the time, at the time, I purposely went against everything people wanted to do, want were pushing me to do because if yeah. I didn't feel comfortable with it, I just didn't feel comfortable with it, and I, and I went the opposite way. And I kind of then I found myself. So that's when that era, that kind of age when people were starting to go out clubbing, like 15, 16, 17, 18, that kind of underage age. Yeah, <laughs> um, I. Uh, gravitated towards records yeah and getting into songwriting and and getting into gigs and stuff like that finding my people i guess yeah yeah that's the time that's the that's the sweet spot that's when that's when you find your tribe and that's when stuff starts to make sense and records they never let you down they're they're, they're always there there was a record um that came out when i was probably 16, 17, Ryan Adams, Gold. Great, great record. Um, but that's the that's the record where I kind of... I, I, it's the record, the one record I, I, I bought myself where I, I don't think I stopped listening to it for a year. Yeah. Like, I think I listened to it almost every day yeah. for a year. I was just obsessed with the, the inner workings of how you write it, how you write... 17 songs or whatever's on that record 70 i think it's 17 songs that feel like they they tell a story 
that they hit you emotionally, that they make you feel joyous at times, that, that how, how the hell all those things happen across one record and why I feel so strongly about this record. Yeah. And and that's what that's the kind of thing I did instead of going clubbing. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, good. I, I just put my I put my head, yeah I put my head into uh, trying to understand music, um, not even understand it from a technical point of view, understand it from an emotional point of view, understand why I felt like I did when I listened to something, yeah, and what and how to recreate how I could recreate that, you know, when I'm trying to make something. Um, okay, I'm going to take you home now. And, uh, and I'm going to ask you, please, for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Um, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually got two here. Okay. I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to spit a few, Sam Fender. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying home county slightly, loose, slightly loosely. Yeah, just, we can, we can, we can uh, blur the, uh, the, the band. Like I lived a lot a long time in, in Newcastle, but technically my home county is Durham, technically, but there's a crossover there. Um Spit of You is is just an incredible song. Um I mean Sam, the thing the things that Sam's doing now for the Northeast musically, well it's just it's just putting them on putting us on the map again, really. Mm. Uh, there's ton, tons of talent up here, but what he's done and the the fact that with Sam in particular, he he thoroughly deserves everything he gets the the years of uh, you know I, I remember seeing him in a pub playing to about 10 people it must have been seven years ago um ish um but just the just the sheer dedication he's had to just getting better and he's got better he's got better and better and better at what he does just by just through repetitive training himself yeah, to be yeah, better yeah. you know through uh through through doing the shows doing the doing it the old fashioned way really sure um but that song in particular is just it's just phenomenal i mean I, well i i only heard it for i think i was late to the party with i only heard it for the first time probably just before christmas mm. um and there's that one one line and but excuse me if i get it slightly wrong but it's um one day that'll be your forehead i'm kissing and you and I still look exactly like you, or something. Where, where he's basically just uh, he's talking about his his dad and and you know how he doesn't get along and and or I, I assume he doesn't get along, but then how he he's uh, got a lot of similarities with him. I don't know. He's just got a way with words. He's got a, a fantastic lyrical ability. Um, but and this is good. This the the other song that I was going to mention, and it's it's. You're probably going to think it's slightly cringy, um, but I absolutely adore, and it's for one reason only. It's because I'm a big Newcastle fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely adore "Big River" by Jimmy Nail. Okay, and it's a completely left field choice, I know, um, but just because of what it's about. It's yeah. about the it's about the river. It's about the working class um, is working class upbringing. It's about how the jobs all disappeared in the northeast in that era. And, um, just hold uh, with it has that song has quite a close uh, um, association with Newcastle United. Um, it was the song that was played blaring over the speakers when the takeover happened last year, and you know, and there was that feeling of of getting away from years of underachievement, and yeah, you know, it's it, it it's maybe not the best reason in the world to like love a song, but it's a reason. <laughs> Absolutely, um, I. 
don't know if I've got this wrong, but I'm sure I literally see a couple of days ago that Jimmy Nell's going back out on tour. Was <laughs> he? I don't know. And I've not seen anything of him as a... I mean, because the Jimmy Nell thing was surreal, really, because I'm I'm, I'm well old, so like I, I caught him in a Fuedison pet and thought he was this, you know, just this brilliant character. And then... I don't know if you know, he he, he sort of released one single. He released a cover of Rose Royce's um, Love Don't Live Here Anymore. Mm-hmm. And then just, I think, then went on to do uh, Spend. Was it Spender? Was his big show? Like, to be honest, I don't know a great deal about him other than other than that he's a bit of a Northeast treasure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he, he ended up doing all of these sort of like huge TV shows. I think he was in... Um, uh, the 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 Madonna film, uh, the uh, Evita, and 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 then and then he released Ain't No Doubt, which went to number one. Mm. And I was like, this is surreal because he don't look like Simon Le Bon or Brad Pitt, does he, Jimmy? Now, like he looks like he's had a, a tough twelve rounds in the ring, and uh, and he just looks like a bloke down the pub. And it's like this is great. This is like. This fella looks like one of your dad's mates. He's number one, singing with this really soulful voice. He's like, it's wonderful. Like, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't. Um, I, all I know is that when I, whenever I've said that about Big River to people before in the past, they've gone, "Oh, really?" Because <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, it might not be the coolest thing in the world to love, but um, it doesn't do. matter what's cool, does it? Like, the, 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 you're in a safe space in this podcast. Yeah, there's, there's, exactly. there's, 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 uh, there's no, there's no coolness. Uh, expect, there's no, no expectations. I, I, think, I, think, yeah, I think you can't, you can't explain why a song hits you in a certain absolutely. way. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, like, and that, that one for me has the, um, there's a lyric in it, and again, I'm probably going to get it wrong because uh, I, uh, I tend to paraphrase a little bit. Um, and it's something like this is a mighty town built upon solid ground, and everything they've tried too hard to or tried so hard to kill, we will rebuild. And it's and it just oh, hits me right there every single time. Every time he sings it, I'm like, oh. um, especially with its connection to Newcastle and how there's that, yeah, how there's that so both Newcastle and Newcastle United, yeah. how there's that kind of sense of underachievement and how we've been essentially used as a you know, ripped whether it's politically or whether it's football, feel like the Northeast has been kind of somewhat ripped to shreds. Yeah. Um, and then just having someone sing about it is quite special. Last track. I'm going to ask you to uh, be tastemaker now. And uh, RJ, can you tell me, please, a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear? I think a lot of people in the UK won't know. Let's say. <laughs> um uh, Stop making this hurt by Bleachers. Okay. Um, now Bleachers is uh, the the project, uh, the the main like artist project of a guy called Jack Antonoff, uh, producer, um, who is actually like a major pop producer now. Um, used to be the guitarist in Fun. Remember Fun? Yeah, of course. Um, about about um, seven or eight years ago, is it We Are Young? I think was their big. Oh, what a record that was. Um, so he was the guitarist in them, and then he then he kind of moved on to his own stuff um, in Bleachers, um, and then he he just produces everyone. I mean, he's got his hand on all the all. The, he produces a lot of pop stuff, like a lot of the Taylor Swift, Lord, 
all that kind of stuff. Um, Lana Del Rey, I think he's done like her last three records, possibly. Um, he's but, not struggling with a mortgage, then, is he? <laughs> he's, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anyone involved in so many things in such a what appears to be at least a short yeah. space of time. He's, he's got his hand in everything. He's just done the new Minions movie. Wow! He's, like he's just doing, he's just doing. He's just done Diana Ross has just got a new record out, I think, and he's just had his hand in that, and he's just everything he's yeah. involved with. Um, but his soul, his actual, his artist project, I just love because it's it's certainly got that nostalgic kind of feel to it, uh, which it kind of I gravitate towards anyway. Yeah. Um, but he's just a very inspiring person. I think when when you listen to his music, it, there's no right. Just what if it sounds good, it's right. Yeah, you know, there's no there's no technicalities to it. You like you. I've, there's a lot of videos. He, he, he kind of he, he's kind of just a big influence on me as a producer as well. Yeah, um, because you watch his kind of his videos online and and he's talking about music how I think it should be talked about about not whether it's technically good, not whether someone has amazing guitar ability and you know that solo is incredible. Yeah. But about how it makes you feel, yeah. And and it's and it every, everything he does is to, well on the surface. I'm sure he puts a lot, an awful lot of thought into what he's doing. But it it all seems to be led by um what is right for that for that message of that song. You know, he, he talks a lot about. I mean, that that song specific song I've, t- I've said there, "Stop Making This Hurt." It's kind of a pop song, really. But um, his overall output. Like it's just simple things like with his production value where he's he, like he's talking like if if it's if the lyric is me speaking to you, then there should be no reverb. You know, it, it is dry. I'm talking to you right now. But if it's you know I'm talking to the world, then it should have reverb. It should have extra voices. It should just these little production things that just think people overlook. Yeah, it's very easy to just to go. Oh, yeah, we're gonna put a we're gonna put a. Um, a big reverb on this because your voice sounds nice with a reverb, but if it's not right for the song or the message of the song, yeah, you know, he's just, he's an, he's an interesting guy. Um, and I think, I just think his solo is, is uh, solo or band project or whatever you want to call it is, um, it's just very interesting music. It's like, he's, his, his last record, one, uh, the one that just came out, uh, last year, he's kind of slightly kind of gone a bit Lou Reedy in places, but then, it's got this kind of big pop song, like stop making this hurt on it. But then like his older records, like full blown eighties references. And like, there's a song called, uh, let's get married, which is just, it's just a John Hughes movie. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's, I just, I don't know. I just really admire people who don't care whether it's popular, whether it's, whether it's on trend, it's just what they want to make. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, that's just, a, I mean, that's what I try to live by if I, if I can with, with everything I do. I try to just go, I don't really care whether this is going to get on the radio, whether it's going to get on all these Spotify playlists. It doesn't matter to me at all. What matters is that I've made something authentic that I think is interesting, that I have some dedication and my heart and soul is in it. Yeah. Um, and and ultimately, that's I mean, the, the word is interesting. 
I don't want to make something that's interesting. I don't want to make something that's uh, that's just there to get on another playlist. Yeah. You know, or want, it has to be something that I think is worth making because else what's the point? Yeah. What, what's the point in putting stuff out into the world if it's just there to, if it's just there to kind of make up the numbers on something? One of the playlists that your music will feature on will be the playlist that we put together to accompany this podcast. Well, of um, course, I want to be on that. Place. You want to be on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so we put together a, a Spotify playlist of all of the tracks that we've spoken about today, and obviously uh, we'll put some of your music on there as well. Um, as um, as twenty twenty two is gathering speed, we're halfway through the year. It would appear and. In a far more connected world, and maybe you know, far more as it was maybe a few years ago, um, the pandemic seems to be a, a you know a distant memory somewhat. And gigs are happening again, festivals are happening again. Um, what are you looking forward to, RJ, personally, from the rest of this year, and what's going to be happening professionally? Um, I am. Um looking well i'm looking forward to actually just getting this record out first and foremost because it's been you know i, I sat in my room um through isolation pretty much making this album and, and dreaming of this world outside so I, all of the songs on this album kind of they started as very small piano like just me on a piano really um but the production value is big because I'm dream it's basically me dreaming of this you know how you romanticize something you haven't had for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're in you're in this room essentially, you know, you you everyone's had the same experience on that front really. But um but you start romanticizing, oh I'd just love to go at the petrol station. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh do you remember those do you remember when you could just go and get a boost and it would be <laughs> you know <laughs> um so I, I, I kind of spent a lot of time romanticizing what these songs, where these songs fit in the world and what they, what they could, uh, like there's like there's a song called Feel Alive, which is coming up in a few weeks time, um, which is, it's my driving song. It's my like California road trip yeah. song because that's what I was dreaming of. Yeah. You know, I was... I was in that room and it was just that as piano ballad, but it pretty quickly turned into, and oh, hang on, what, what would I want this song to be? Like, where would I want to be right now? Yeah. And driving along the Pacific coast highway in California was like in my head. <laughs> so it became the, a driving song and it became something a lot bigger than, than it is. So I'm just looking forward to getting these ideas out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost. And then obviously getting on tour in September. Um, that'd be lovely again. Um, Cause apart from a, we did, we did like a, a bunch of live tracks at Abbey road um, in February. Um, but that's the only live stuff I've done for nearly three years now. Yeah. So getting back on tour in September will be lovely. Um, and then to be honest, after that, I'm, I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I'll be, writing straight back into a studio i'm actually hoping to try hoping to build a studio um hoping to in the next year or so so uh, to have like a proper dedicated space which would be lovely um but yeah I'm, there's, there's lots to look forward to 
But and first and foremost, first and foremost, it's about getting this music out into the world and hoping that it resonates with some people and seeing, and, where, seeing where that leads. And so for people uh, that want to keep up to speed uh, with releases and tour dates and such, where's the best place to, to keep up to speed with you? Um, so my website is rjthompson.com. Um, that's got, you can sign up for mailing lists and stuff on there. Um, obviously, social, you know, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, uh, all that stuff. It's RJ Thompson Music on those. Um, yeah, and just I, I try to I'm, I'm trying to kind of trying to get a lot of content out in the world at the minute because I'm I'm just I'm obsessed with creating, <laughs> so I'm always always dreaming of the next uh, the next thing. Lovely. So you should see plenty from me over the next uh, six months or so. Wonderful. Well, if it's cool with you, we'll, we'll, we'll tag you uh, on the socials when we put this episode out so, yeah. so people can uh, find you if they haven't already. Um, RJ, it's been a real joy talking records with you today, mate. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. There you go, RJ Thompson, our delightful human being. Um, we had another half hour's worth of chitter-chat um, afterwards where he then... I said, like, why, would, why did you have this conversation when we was recording? He said, oh, I didn't want to be, you know ramming down the marketing stuff and trying to push the and I was like oh man he's kind of I want to get it right but there's like an augmented reality um aspect to the record sleeves that are on his last record and the current one that sound absolutely incredible um so just go and um hit the website up uh, and find out a little bit more and, and obviously better still go and buy it because it sounds like I've never heard anything like it and we, we then went down a rabbit hole of you know bananas marketing uh, elements and, and, and you know what you should and shouldn't compromise when it comes to you know writing because we didn't we didn't chat about intros um, which I generally do I don't know why um, we must have been caught up in chat about something else so I kind of had all of these chats afterwards and, and I said it's a shame that I've pressed stop because there was some some wonderful chats. So um, he's playing the Lexington in September. So I said I'd, I'd head down. So maybe um, I'll get there a little early and and we'll catch up and we'll have a have another little natter and do another little mini episode. That that would be nice. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed that chat. Um, it was lovely to lovely to um, have that conversation with RJ. And yeah, in the meantime, uh, be nice to each other. And I'm back next time. See you soon. Love you. Bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made stew with him. Eat it, boy.